For the last few weeks, we've been in a series titled Resourced. Would you say that word with me? Resourced. And the premise of this entire series, and it's one of the longer series we've done, the premise of this entire series is that God has a dream for the world. He has a vision. He has a dream. He desires something. He desires, as we found out in Scripture, we find it in multiple places, he desires that none would be lost. And at this stage, in the United States, 96% of Americans are dying and going to hell because only 4% of Americans are true, genuine Christians. So God has a plan to seek and to save that which is lost. Fastest growing religion in the United States is not Christianity, it's Islam. And what we find in the Holy Scriptures is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus came and he walked amongst us. God in the flesh came and lived amongst us, and he did the work of paying for every sin you and I will ever commit. He paid for it. He paid it forward. And then he offered himself as that living sacrifice. And now, as sinners, wicked, not like the God who created us, we now have a way back to our God through the blood of Jesus Christ, by surrendering our lives to his leadership and declaring him as our Lord and Savior, Jesus, and following his ways and his teaching. He literally, he made a bridge between God, us, and that big chasm of sin. He made a bridge across it, and we can cross through Jesus. He is, if you will, that spotless lamb, as the Bible says, who paid for the sins of the world. He paid for mine and your sin. And then he created something. It wasn't an orphanage. It wasn't a temple building. He created the church. Those who follow him are called Christians. He called us his church. Another passage, he calls us his body. Another passage, he calls us his flock, if you will. Another passage, he calls us his bride. We are his bride. He is the groom. And so Jesus made a way to the Father. He then created his church, those who would follow him. And then all of these pieces add up to the big goal that God has, and that is to seek and save that which is lost, that none would perish, but all come to eternal life. And then there's another piece of what I call this heavenly formula, and that is the piece where God then empowered us and gave us resources as the church. Resources. You know, it's hard to do a job without resources. Can you imagine paving a pathway without concrete? Can you imagine trying to build a house without tools? So God himself gave us resources. And we dove into these resources because I realized over the years that many of you, A, don't know you have that resource, and B, you may not know how to use it. And if you don't know how to use a resource, can you imagine not knowing how to use a tool but you have to accomplish a job and there's a specific tool to accomplish that job, but you don't, you're not really skilled at using that tool, so we must learn how to use the tools to steward the resources that God's entrusted to us. And we looked at a number of the resources that we find in Scripture. The first one we looked at was money and made everybody nervous. A preacher talking about money again, talking about money. I always want to talk about money. Well, the Bible talks about money. A lot more than it talks about prayer, a lot more than it even talks about love and forgiveness. Why? Because that money, that finances, is the engagement by which people live and they take care of their families. And so God builds all throughout Scripture this understanding on how to use this resource. And I challenged you to learn to use the resource of money for kingdom business. 
to help seek and save that which is lost. And we start with just being simply obedient to the tithe and say, Lord, I will, I will trust you. I can live on 90%. I'm going to give 10% into what you said to do into the storehouse so that we can bring in the lost and the hurting. Then we move from there and we looked at the, another great resource. And for me, this is, I always say this the last few weeks, this is the greatest resource for me right now that I need to be sure that I'm stewarding well, and that is time. Time. Time, as, I'm, as I'm getting a little older, I realize, man, time is short. Time is short to show my children how to serve the Lord. Time is short to show the brothers and sisters that have been entrusted to me that I help them grow in their, in their walk with Christ. It's short to win and save those which I've got to do well with time. And then we move from there into what we call the heavenly tools. Book of Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they talk about these gifts that we've been, we've been given, the gift of leadership, the gift of administration, 1 Corinthians starts talking about these power tools, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And, and, we, and we talked about that week how difficult it's been in the most modern church, how we've seen those tools so misappropriated. And, how, and as of it, many of us said, I don't even want to try to use those tools because I just don't want to be that. But we have to. We have to steward that which has been entrusted to us. That resource not being used is causing the dream of God not to be accomplished. And then last week, we dove into the other great resource that God's entrusted to us, the church, and that is a sphere of influence. All of us have a sphere of influence. There are people who will follow you, who will listen to you, who will, who, who will, who will say, you know what, what you have to say hits me in the heart in a way that no, no preacher or no other person could have. And that's called our sphere of influence. And, and the, Jesus, actually, his last great command to his church was, go and make disciples. So when you stand there, and I'm going to be a good pastor. I'm not going to do that for you. I'm called to equip you to do the work of the ministry. That's what Ephesians says my job is. I don't want you to stand there on that day and be empty-handed. And he goes, what did you do with my command to go and make disciples? And you say, well, I gave money to the church. Yeah, yeah, but what did you do with the sphere of influence I entrusted with you? How, how come they're not here with you today? Well, I thought I was, I was waiting on Pastor Adam to preach to my cousin, and, uh, and he never did. No, 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 what does that have to do? That was your sphere of influence. I expected you to show up with those that I entrusted to you. So what happened? That, I don't want you to have that conversation. Are you with me? Say yes. And so after that large, uh, hurtful communication I just gave you and uh, scared you, let me move now <laughs> into what we're calling the sixth and final resource. And I'm sure there are others, but these are the six that we focus, or the five we focused on. And that is number part six. And today's resource is the word of God. Everybody say the word of God. You can do better than that. Say the word of God. Let's, let's start with our key verse for this last resource in Isaiah chapter 55. This is going to be our key verse for today, Isaiah 55 and 10. And this so marked me over the last few days. It says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God himself is talking in this passage about his very word. And he likens it into how the rain comes down or the snow comes down on the ground and what it does to the soil. Uh, those of you that are live here in Texas with me, those of you that are watching online, you may not have the same scenario, but where we're at right now, we've been in a, an extremely dry season the last couple of months. Um, we actually, here at the church, we're doing some um, 
we were, we were doing some cleaning up of a, a kind of a, a real wooded area. Uh, and so we rented this uh, mulcher machine and, uh, and we were just grinding up old nasty beat up shrubs and trees and briars and, and we were out there doing that a couple of weeks ago and we hit a piece of metal. And uh, I actually wasn't driving, it was Pastor Lance, I wanna blame it on him. And when he hit this piece of metal, it sparked a little spark and it flew off to the side and it set the entire playground grass on fire in 90 seconds. And so we're running around trying to get water hoses and trying to put this thing out, called the fire department. By the time they got there, we'd already had it out, but it burnt almost a quarter of an acre in 90 seconds. That's how dry it was. And so the firemen looked at us and go, do you not know that there are thousands of acres in Texas right now burning? And we were like, no, we didn't know that. And they're like, you need to be extremely careful with any type of activity that could spark because it's so dry. Anybody remember those weeks, the last few weeks, how dry it was? I mean, your sinus passages, you know how dry it was, okay? Well, just within the last two weeks, we started getting rain. And I'll never forget the first night that it rained. It rained, actually, excuse me, in the middle of the day, the first little bit of rain we got. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, for the rain because I don't want to set anything on fire and my wife hate me. So, you know, I can't do anything in the yard because I may set it on fire, you know. And, so, and so, um, so we couldn't do anything. And that little bit of rain, it rained for just a couple of hours. And by that, by that evening, before the sun went down, as I'm driving down our little gravel driveway, I'm looking, and all of a sudden, things are budding right there in front of me. I was like, you got to be kidding me. All of a sudden, the trees that were late to bloom, I'm like, where is spring at? Where is spring? It didn't have any water. And when that water hit down into the ground, even as Isaiah said, it created that which was dormant, that which was stagnant, all of a sudden became, became alive and it sprung forth as it was purposed to do. I want you to understand something. There are things inside of you that are dormant. Until the word of God hits it, it'll never come to life. You'll never produce that which you were called to produce until that word hits it. And he says, listen, when my word goes forth, it will do what I want it to do. It will not come back to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. This is why you have to understand this resource. The Bible is not just a page of words to talk about little good things. When the word of God goes forth and it hits your dry soul, all of a sudden, purpose becomes activating. All of a sudden, vision starts activating. All of a sudden, holiness becomes active. All of a sudden, the dreams of God begin to stir inside of you, and they start blooming forth. The reason why some of you have no purpose is because you do not consume the Word of God. I live purpose every day, because every day I wake up and I read that Bible, and I say, God, do something inside of me. And all of a sudden, I'm reading some passage I don't even like, and all of a sudden, something starts stirring inside of me, and I know what exactly to do this day. Why? Because the Word of God will not come back to him empty. As he spoke it, it will bring life into you and me. But you and I have to begin to consume it. You need to understand the power of his spoken word. He created the entire, everything you know in existence, he's spoken into existence. Let there be trees. <laughs> Let there be light. <laughs> he's spoken into existence. His word and the power therein, and I don't think the church recognizes it because we're sitting around for some preacher to tell us what God had to say instead of taking what he's already said and consuming it and let it bring life. Drink thereof of the word of God. That would be my great encouragement. But I want you to understand, and I want to take you to the passage where Jesus actually took the word of God 
He, Jesus, God in the flesh, took the word of God to defeat the plans of the enemy. Are you tracking with me today? Say yes. Turn with me quickly, if you will. Actually, let's go to Ephesians 6 first. And I want you to see how the Bible actually lays out this, this defensive warfare posture for you and I as believers and the attacks that we'll go through. Let's go there first. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might or his mighty power. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. What's it against? Not flesh and blood. Stop fighting with your wife. It ain't about her. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. It is foolish of you to think that there are not demonic forces that are trying to destroy you. I call it what it is. It's foolishness. So the people at work just don't like me. There are, there are forces of evil pushing their buttons, creating havoc for you. You need to understand this. And it says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, somebody ought to stop right there and preach. Not if it comes, when it comes. Everybody say when. You will have days of evil. You might as well just go ahead and prepare for it. That's what this passage is teaching us to come. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and have to, having done all, everything to stand, stand firm then. And he begins to give us these little truths with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword, or as my friend says, the sword, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So he lists out all of these defensive parts of armor and then gets down to the one offensive weapon, and that is the sword of the spirit, and he qualifies that as the word of God. I asked uh, uh, Katrina to help me track down a sword just so I could illustrate this a little bit. I told her I don't want it to be a fake one. I don't want a plastic sword from, you know, from the kids' section of Walmart. So she, I got you, Pastor Adam. So she went, and she got a sword from her brother, a katana, and it's a real sword. She goes, hey, he said, be real careful. It's super sharp. I said, are you out of your mind? Have you seen me preach? I'm going to end up losing an appendage trying to illustrate this point. <laughs> and she says, I think you'll be okay. He says, the word of God is like a sword. It's, the Bible calls it the, 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 the word that cuts. It cuts down into those things that the enemy has brought against you. It's interesting, right? We don't take the helmet and beat the devil back. Our feet shod with the preparation, the shoes of peace. But the, sword, the word of God is this offensive weapon. It is a resource that I'm watching the church misappropriate. The Bible says, when they ask Jesus, how will we know you're going to come back? When will we know the end of the earth? When will we know the end of all things? Guys, I'm telling you, he prophesied. He talked about wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes and famines, all these things, pestilence, all these things we're seeing. But his first response to them was not there are going to be wars and rumors of wars, is how you know. He said, be careful that no one deceives you. He said, whoa, whoa, before I even try to give you a couple of signs, there's going to be a clear sign, deception in the body of Christ. Why? Because we don't know the Bible for ourselves. We don't know his word for ourselves. And so we're hoping to come to church 
and get a little something or a little follow, our little favorite person to follow on social media, our little Bible app to give us a little daily reading, and we don't know the word of God for ourselves. So therefore, we cannot defend ourselves. We cannot break, push back the, uh, the wicked forces of evil that are against us. We have no power, and we're sitting around just playing defense. Can you imagine watching a football game where your team only plays defense and they never get to try to score? That would be a miserable game. It'd be like soccer. He's got it, he's got it, oh, missed again. He's got it, oh, missed again. It's like, oh, come on, let them score, please. My team won, one to nothing. I'm like, oh, my God. It's the reason I like basketball, because we score all the time. There's something exciting about scoring on the opponent. Are you tracking with me? There's something that we were created not to just defend and just be the little ones suffering. We were called to war. We were called to say, not only are you not going to push me back any further, but I'm going to take new ground. I'm going to take the ground that you possess. You're not taking my kids away. You're not taking my city away. And all of that is happening through the word of God. And we miss that. In fact, I want to show you. Now I want to take you to that passage with Jesus where he's taken out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He just gets water baptized by John the Baptist. John says, I can't baptize you. He goes, you must. And he says, okay, I will. And as Jesus comes up out of the water, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and lands on him. It says like some form of a dove. There was some type of, uh, it wasn't a little dove that came and landed on him like the old little uh, movies did. But it was some, some imagery of a dove, something supernatural. The Holy Spirit came upon him. And God the Father spoke out and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And this is where we get our ideology of a trinity because we see God the Father speaking. We see God the Holy Spirit coming down upon God the Son. We see all of these three at work right there in Scripture, and that's kind of where we get our ideology from that. And then the Bible says the Holy Spirit then took Jesus and led him out in the wilderness to be tempted, or a better word for that in our English is to be tested. When we use the word tempted, we, we have this understanding or this, the way we use the word tempted, we have a, a, pre, a predisposition to that means that they're going to fail. It's to apply or to appeal to their brokenness. I'm going to tempt them and try to get them to do something that they shouldn't. That's not what that word is. It actually is to be tested. In other words, I want to see how strong it is. I have belief in that metal that if I hit it up against, the, uh, up against something uh, tough, it won't break. I'm tested the work. So God has done such a great work in the sun, and the sun is being tested, if you will. And after 40 days, let's pick up where it says happens in verse 4. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Everybody say hangry. No, he was hungry. Okay, there we go. We would have been hangry. Verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, if you, who came to him? If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Verse four, Jesus answered, I'm not really sure how to respond to you. Um, I can't turn these stones. That's not what he says. It is written, man does not live on bread alone. He quotes the word of God. He is the word of God quoting the word of God. Do you understand the power therein? You, I think we've missed the power and this resource that God's given us. It says, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 5, then the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. So he starts taking the word of God and manipulating it. He says, it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands 
so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is also written, manipulator, do not put the Lord your God to the test. I can't tell you how many people manipulate the word of God and say this is how we ought to act. And since you don't know it, you can't come back with it and say, no, 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 no. It's also written, and this is more of a definitive for this situation than what you just manipulated to try to get this situation the way you want again. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Verse 10, Jesus said, away from me, Satan, exclamation mark. It got loud right there. That's like two mamas in Walmart who are disagreeing about something right there. That, it got loud. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. I want to bring out three little pieces here of what he did. Satan challenges him in three areas. I want you to understand he's going to challenge you in these same three areas day in and day out. The first area that Satan challenges him in is he challenges him in his flesh. That man's hungry. That man's hungry. He ch- Do you realize you still have a flesh even though you are alive in Christ? So I came alive, and when I, came, when I got saved, the Holy Spirit came and, ab- 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 and aboded inside of me, came and lived inside of me. And for the first time, I didn't want to steal. I felt convicted when I was stealing or cursing or lying. I felt convicted, like, oh, that's not like, oh, but I, but I really didn't have any power to stop it. And then I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, full immersion in the power of God. And then all of a sudden, I had this power to overcome it, but I still had a flesh. I still had a flesh that liked sin. And for us, a believer, you have to understand, we're constantly battling between our spirit man, full of God, and the flesh, that wicked sin nature that we all still possess. The apostle Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this sinful fleshliness? He said, I do, the thing I want to do, I don't do it. The thing I say I'm going to do for God, I don't do it. And he goes, and then the thing, oh, the thing that, that, I, that I promised the Lord I would do, I just, it doesn't happen. Who will deliver me? So thank God, if the apostle Paul struggled with his flesh, come on, that gives us some hope. Are you with me? Say yes. And so he's got this battle going forth, and Jesus is having this engagement with Satan, and Satan, the first thing he does is appeal to his flesh. He says, you look hungry. Mm-hmm. You look hungry. I bet you're hungry, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're really God, like you say you are, you're really the son of God, can't you just call upon the angels and they'll come feed you? And that really what you should be able to do? I mean, if you're really hungry, can't you just make bread for yourself? Can't you just get bread? Can't you just make it happen? And Jesus responds to him. He says, man does not live by bread alone. He quotes the word of God. It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Friend, can I tell you something? You and I are tempted daily in our flesh. If you don't have the word of God to respond to that attack, you don't have a word from the Lord, then why not? Why not? Well, why can't Christians smoke weed? Why can't we have sex outside of marriage? Why? We, I want to. But then I don't want to. You tracking? Like, ah, there's this thing going back and forth. And so what the enemy does, well, if you're really a Christian, why can't you do? Why can't you do? Why can't you? And you don't know the word of God. So you don't have any combative place to come back and say, no, the Bible says. And you don't have that. Because you don't know. You're like, I, I, I think I got a sword somewhere. I don't, here it is. I don't know how to use it. Oh, wow. I don't know what to do with this thing. If you and I will learn the resource of the word of God, we'll be able to do what Jesus did. Here's the second way that Satan challenges him. And he challenges him, number two, in his identity. He challenges him in his, 
aren't, if you're the son of God, I mean, if you're the son of God, the proof would be that you could throw yourself down off of this mountain. It won't hurt you because, I mean, you, gravity will not affect. If you're really, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a celestial type being. I'm not going to get hurt if I fall off this mountain. If you're really the son of God in the flesh, throw yourself off this mountain. Won't the angels keep you? Doesn't, doesn't the Bible say, doesn't his word say he won't even let your, your toes, your, your feet even, like, you know, be stumped on the ground? You won't stub your toe? His angels will keep that from you? And Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. It's also written. Come on, somebody. It's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. See, he will challenge your identity. This is what happens to many believers. You start having a struggle moment, and he starts saying, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were a person of faith. You ain't got no faith right now. You just got diagnosed with cancer. You don't have any faith right now because your kid that you trained up in the way of the Lord is out there living a crazy lifestyle. I thought, you were, I thought you were a follower of God. I thought God would never let this happen to you. I thought that's what his word said. He goes after our identity. He went after Jesus' identity. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to let you do that. No, sir. Let me, let me combat that with what the word actually says. Actually, the word says that don't put the Lord to the test. I know who I am in him even when I don't feel like it. Are you with me? I'm a man of God, even when I don't always act like it. I know who I am. I know my identity. I have accepted that he died on the cross for me and that he's accepted me as his son. And so my identity is wrapped in not, not wrapped in my failure. Come on, somebody. Not wrapped in my, my disappointments. Not wrapped in what I thought he was going to do that didn't happen the way I thought it was going to. He is God, whether I, whether I feel it or not. He is Lord, whether it's happening in the way I wanted it to or not. He's going to come through. It may not be at the 12th hour. It may not be at the 13th hour, but he's going to come through. Are you with me today? He will come through. He will care for all my needs according to his riches and glory. But I know that because his rain has come down on my soil. And every day I bring that water of life, that word of God into my soil. And it just begins to bring forth life in areas that I never could have done by self-will. I never could have done by way of, you know, popular opinion. I would have never gotten it out of a leadership book by some dude who's really smart or some gal who's got millions and millions of dollars. The word of God, it waters those seeds of life inside of me and springs forth great fruit and beautiful joy in my life. And this brings me to the third, if you will, challenge that Satan gives him, and that is he challenges him on his purpose. He challenges him. He says, listen, if you'll just bow down. He says, look at all this. Look at all this. He, he literally, can you imagine being there? He takes him up on the top of this mountain, and he begins to show him all the, all the nations of the world. Both, I believe, both past, present, and future. And he says, I'll give it to you. I stole it away from you, but I'll give it back to you if you'll just bow down. Jesus came to defeat the works of the enemy. He's giving him a shortcut around. If you'll just bow to me, you won't have to go to the cross. Can I just help you with something? The true purpose of God for your life will be costly and painful at times. There'll be times where you're like, I thought I was doing your will, but this hurts so bad. And he'll say to you, yeah, it is difficult at times. I'm making you perfect through the fire of difficulty and hardship. That's what the word teaches us. 
But if you don't know that, then the moment you go through something bad, you're like, I quit. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. This ain't, eh. I'm so tired of that kind of Christian. You've been saved 40 years, and every time something bad happens, oh, my Jesus. Like, are you kidding me? This is beautiful. You're being refined. This hardship is actually, is actually testing that you have goodness in you, that that, that, that metal in you, that, that spine of glory that he's given you will not bend or bow. But why do you keep acting like a child in these moments? As the Apostle Paul said, he says, listen, I, I want to give you deeper truths. I got to keep putting a bottle in your mouth. You still have, you, we still talking about what it is to be a Christian, how to be saved. So I want to teach you deeper truths. But you don't consume the word enough to have any kind of strength inside of you. He comes after Jesus' purpose in life. And Jesus says, enough. He says, away from me, Satan. Worship the Lord God, your God, and serve him only. I'm not bowing to you. There's only one God. The word's very clear on that. See, purpose is secured when you and I worship and serve the Lord only. You find people who don't know what they're doing in life, I guarantee you they're not worshiping, serving the Lord God only. They're trying to serve the God of success or the God of riches or wealth, as we like to call it. And so that's why they get confused about purpose. And Jesus said, oh, oh, let me help you with purpose, Satan. The word's real clear. Serve God only. Worship him only. That is our purpose. And in that will come the fullness of life and why we're on this planet. You and I can't get caught up in just making the paycheck. We can't get caught up in just building the house. It's beautiful to make a paycheck. You should make a paycheck. A man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. But again, understand the word of God, but he has a plan and a purpose for you. And that is not just simply to survive, but to thrive and to bring the kingdom of God to this old dark world. That's who we are. We're conduits of his glory. We are his sons and daughters. We look like him, we act like him, we talk like him. That is the goal. You still track and say yes. Come on, you still track and say yes. So I want to give you a couple keys to stewarding the word of God. A couple keys. Number one, you have to learn it. You have to learn it. Now, let me just say this. Um, I don't have one of these at my house because in my modern age, this would not be the best weapon of choice for someone trying to harm my family. I do have other weapons of choice to protect my family. So if we got down to where they took away all those weapons of choice and I was left with this, I would be in a situation right now. I, I know how to swing a baseball bat and I think I could muster up enough courage to defend my family if a horrific person or in, demonically inspired person was trying to harm us. Um, but I'm not skilled at it. I mean, I could swing it around and stuff, but have you ever watched these skilled swordsmen? Have you ever seen them and the way by which they, they yield their weapon? How did they learn to wield that weapon like that? through constant use, practice. See, if you're waiting till you get in a hardship to learn the word of God, you will be taken out by an enemy because you are not strong before you get in a real battle. 
And so the only way for me to really be able to defend my home with a sword, with the, this sword, this type of weapon, I would need to start practicing now. I would, be, I would need to learn the working of this thing. I would need to know the, the, the pressure point by which it will break if I go there and how to wield it, not if I come overhead while, while, while the enemy's coming underneath, to be able to wield it both sideways and front, to know the slashing and the stabbing forward mechanisms. I, I don't know those things. I watched a couple of videos, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I could learn it, but I would need to learn it. Do you, have you learned your word? Do you know how to defend yourself and attack the enemy back? What does it say? Have you learned it? Uh, I, I was with a, a gentleman who played professional football the other day, and he was a very big sports fan, and he's talking about Kobe Bryant. And he said, I saw this interview with Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan was talking about how Kobe Bryant was a lover of the game, that he was constantly learning the game of basketball. And he said... They would have games where they would, you know, the Bulls would play the Lakers and Michael Jordan would beat, beat Kobe, you know. Uh, and that, that night after the game, he said it's like midnight and he'd get a call from Kobe. Midnight. They're exhausted. They've been playing basketball all day on television. Finally get back to their homes and our hotels. And Kobe would call over to him and said, hey, can I ask you something? How did you do that one move? Michael was talking about how Kobe was constantly learning the game. Learning the game, because he wanted to be better than Michael Jordan. He never got there, but he wanted to be. He wanted to be the best. And he had the wherewithal to recognize that you've got to constantly be learning. I've been a Christian now since I was, you know, I guess eight, nine, ten years of age. And I'm still learning the word. I'm still learning how to appropriate. I'm still learning it. It, it, it blows my mind. There's so much I don't know. Anybody know where I'm at? As so much I don't know. And, and I, I'm pretty sure that in a battle right now, I probably look like a crazy person. Ah! You know, I'm not real skilled, like, you know, let's go. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I don't have the samurai level yet. I haven't mastered the word of God yet. There are those who've really mastered it. I haven't quite mastered it, but I'm learning it. Are you with me? Say yes. Everybody say, I want to learn the word. You can do better than that. Say, I want to learn the word. Here's a second key to stewarding the word of God, and that is number two, you need to submit to it. I know. James chapter one, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Oh, that's so anti-culture. It really is. Like when it says, forgive your brother who sinned against you. Go to that one who's offended you. How many times do I forgive him? Endlessly, 70 times seven. No end to it. Or when it says things like, mm, I don't know, flee youthful lust. Instead of, well, I don't know. I mean, it looks kind of good to me. I think I can handle it. No, you can't. You need another job because you don't need to work around that woman. You need to run from it. Yeah, that's what the Bible says to do. It was so healthy for me as a young minister coming up and having temptations and stuff like that. Flee you for us. Hey, I can't work with you because there's something here that's not healthy. And it's going to turn into something. That's why your pastor can stand here and go, "Woo! let him Google me. Clean, 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 clean. 
Why? Because I found that in the Word when I was 19. I was like, I got this. I'm going to submit to this. I'm Because I wanted to be here for you in my 50s. Yeah, I didn't, I, didn't want there, I didn't want there to be any, well, you know, I, he, had a, you know he had a bump in the road back in the day, you know, but the Lord's grace. No, 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 no. I, I submitted to it. I submitted to what it says. I don't have a problem with tithing. I submitted to it. It ain't my money anyway. And so, I, so I, I'm good. I'm good. I didn't just learn it. I submitted to it. That passage actually goes on and says, how foolish for a man to hear the word, learn it, and not do what it says. It's like a man looking in the mirror and walking away and forgetting what he looks like. It's like, how, that's crazy. Like the word of God reveals and brings life to you. So submit to that process. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's magnificent. I, I just was engaging with a young pastor, with a young pastor who had to expose his father, who's a pastor, because of sinfulness that he's been in. And, the pa- and his dad would not admit it. Oh, he admitted it to him. And there was all these allegations that the young pastor was trying to deal with, but the father pastor wouldn't admit it to the denomination, and the young pastor had to do what the word of God said. He submitted to it, and he exposed his dad into the denomination, and now they're dealing with the discipline that needs to happen. And I was, I was walking, walking it out with him, like, you are the man. He's like, well, it's what the Bible says. It says if you go to him privately, he still won't repent. Bring others, and he still won't repent, then I've got to bring it out. The word says. I was like, dude, could you teach that around the world, please? Look at this thing. Submit to it. That's where I think some of the breakdown comes, is that if I learn it, then I've got to submit to it. So a lot of people are just happy to be ignorant. I didn't know. Yeah, but you're getting beat up by the enemy. This is a resource given to us by our Heavenly Father. He gave us his holy word, and his word is life, and it is powerful. And Satan himself has to flee when you start using the word of God. I just proved it to you with Jesus. He said, no, no, go. That's not true. No, that's not, this is what the word says. And the Bible says, and he left him and left him alone. Why? Because he used the sword of the spirit, the word of God, and cut Satan up in little bitty pieces. By the end of it, he's walking around like, man, I ain't never doing that again. I ain't messing with him. Brings me to my third key to stewarding the word. Number three, and that is apply it. Learn it, learn it. Every day, we're constant learners, constant learners. See, man, I don't really get it. I don't really understand. Listen, I'm constantly going, Lord, I don't really get that. Like, I need to see that. Like, like help me. And, I, and I'll just dive in to that passage and just try to learn it and learn his ways a little bit more. And then submitting to it and say, okay, Lord, I submit to that, even if I don't like it. Even if I don't like it, I submit to it. And then apply it. Actually put it into practice. Actually do something with it. For example, if you're insecure about your new job, then you should be speaking Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You should be wielding that thing. You walk into that new job and it's like, I should not have gotten this. I don't know what I'm doing. This is way beyond me. But Philippians says this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And you just start whacking away at those lies of the enemy. That God's prepared you for such a time as this. If you're struggling maybe uh, uh, to, to, you know, because you got a diagnosis that was bad, or you need to then quote Psalms 46.1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in troubling times. You having some difficulty right now? You need to quote that over and over. Start speaking that word just like he did. Freeze. 
You start quoting, I may be in a tough time right now, but my God, he is an ever-present help in time of trouble. He will never leave me, and he will never forsake me. I've never seen the Bible says I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. When I get in my prayer time, when I'm driving in my car by myself, when everybody are talking in a meeting and I'm half zoning out because I don't really care about what they're talking about, I start quoting the word over the things that I'm thinking about and that I'm troubled with. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. When I start getting full of anxiety and worry about, what are we going to do about that? How are we going to pay for that? How's that going to happen? What's that person going to do? I don't know what to do for that family. That family's going through a real tragic time right now. Oh, God, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. And then all of a sudden, this peace of God, purpose of God, is restored blooms start happening as the reign of God, the word of God comes down in my dry soul. It just starts blooming. Or maybe you've been uh, lied about on social media. Then, friend, you ought to start quoting Exodus chapter 14 and 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Come on, now that's a word right there. And you start quoting that, I ain't going to fight them back. I'm just going to be still, and the Lord will fight for me. He will fight our battles. I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to defend myself. He is the great defender of the brethren. Come on, are you there? Say yes. You must learn to wield the word of God. It is the greatest, in my opinion, of all the resources entrusted more than all the gifts of prophecy, more than all the wonderful power tools, more than the, the money that he wants to entrust for you for kingdom business or time or all these other things, the word of God. And this is why so many have gotten sick, and perished, and broke down, and cast off because they didn't have the word of God. And as, as we read in Isaiah 55, and as, it just, the, as, the, as the rain of the word of God comes down over our soul, and it begins to water those seeds and bring forth seed for the sower and bread for the eater. It just starts blooming all of a sudden. These trees are blooming that have never bloomed in your life. You're like, how is this happening? How do I have business right now when no one else has business in the field that I'm in? Because I've been bringing that word over. I've been speaking that word. I've been, that word has been getting down in my soul. How did I know? Listen, guys, I can't tell you how many times I've been reading the word of God. And all of a sudden, from that word, I got, a, I got an understanding. I need to call so-and-so right now. And I called them right then, and they said, we were just thinking about calling you. We, just, we were just thinking about, you know, maybe bringing you onto our, 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 our team for this, that, or the other. And it's something I had been praying for, but couldn't make it happen in my own strength. The word of God will cause the seeds of your purpose, destiny, all the difficult, it will cause it to grow and life to, and he says, it will not return void. What I sent it to do, it will do in you. You and I have the word of God. Let us yield it properly. I want you to stand with me quickly across the room. Hey, everybody. Wasn't that a great message? I know that as we speak, your life is being changed by the word of the Lord. So here's what I want you to do. Take some time to think about it. Consider it. Pray and ask the Lord how you can apply it to your life today and this week. And maybe there's something that he's asking you to change or do differently in your life. So let's not let this be something that we just watch and then walk away like nothing happened. We're so grateful to be able to hear the word of the Lord. You weren't here in person today, but you're here with us online and that matters. And if you made a decision for Christ today, we want to know. We want to know how to come alongside you and how to support you and how we can best pray for you. So please, if you did make that decision for Christ today, text the word DECIDED to 469-606-2684. We can't wait to see you back next week, same time, same place, 
Share these posts with your friends. Share it on your social media. Blast it out there. Don't be greedy and keep it to yourself. We love you and we'll see you soon. God bless.